If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Mark. Mark chapter 8. Beginning next Sunday, we're going to be diving back in right from where we had left off, verse by verse through the remainder of the gospel according to Mark. This morning, I wanted to revisit the verses that we last ended on in August and allow us to highlight some of the uh, key considerations that we must take when, when seeing Jesus. Uh, having come just out of this Christmas season, uh, for us here, we spent time focusing on what is seen in Christ. Not simply the Christmas season, not simply the, the narrative of baby, manger, star, but the reality of Christ, who is God in the flesh. What we needed to see and have seen in him. But we also recognize, thankfully, the most important thing to see in Christ is not needed to see with our eyes, but to see with our hearts. That, yes, Christ needed to come in the flesh. He needed to be seen in, in what he would accomplish in the flesh. But we do not need to see as eyewitnesses uh, exactly what he did on earth in order to truly see what we need. In Mark chapter 8, uh, at the end, <clears throat> towards the end, uh, beginning at verse 27. So Jesus, so far in this book, has done incredible things that were seen Seen not just by the disciples, but seen by crowds, seen by the Pharisees who wanted to uh, nail him to a stake and slaughter him, which they eventually did. But here, Jesus comes and he asks his disciples in the most important question to be asked. Uh, Mark chapter 8, beginning of verse 27, says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others, just one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them not to tell anyone about him. So, of the crowds that had witnessed him, they had seen him as eyewitnesses do miracles. Make lame to walk, make blind to see, make the deaf to hear. They'd seen these incredible miracles that they had not seen before. And so he says, well, what do they say about me? What do they think that I am? Who do they think that I am? And he says, well, some of them think you're John the Baptist. Well, Herod thought that because he was terrified because he had him killed. Some think you're John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Others think you're Elijah, the prophet who is to come before the Messiah. He says, others think that you're just a prophet. You're something uniquely gifted by God with a, with a task from God, but that's about it. But then he looks right at them and he says, but who do you say that I am? You have witnessed the exact same things. You have walked with me in the exact same days and you've seen the exact same plays. Who do you say that I am? What does your, not just your eyes tell you, not what does your intellect tell you, but who do you say that I am? And incredibly, Peter answers, we assume on behalf of the group, says, you are the Christ. Not like you're just um, anticipating the Christ, or you're kind of like the Christ or the Messiah, the one we've been longing for, but you are the Christ. Not like you'll become the Christ once you do something or once you accomplish something, then you'll be the Messiah. 
You are the Christ. That's what we see with our eyes. That's what we see with our hearts. That's what we believe with our lives, that you are the Christ. Now, was this, uh, this statement of Peter definitive and he never struggled again to believe? No, not at all. Peter was a great doubter. I'm glad Peter's life is recorded in the Bible for us. It's, it shows us these, these moments, these glimpses of belief and trust, but then failure to believe and, and weakness of faith where he did doubt. And this was not the first time that they had even declared that he was the Messiah or they thought he was the Messiah. This was not the first time that they, the other disciples are hearing this going, we think he's the Christ? This wasn't new to them. This wasn't an idea like, wow, this must be it because he finally did the, that miracle. Check. He's, he's ticked the box and now we know. Now we have seen because he just came out of healing a blind man. Oh, that's it. Here's the Messiah. That wasn't the first time they had come to this conclusion. Andrew, when he was first called as a disciple, said to Peter, he said, it's recorded in John chapter 141, he says, we have found the Messiah. He said it right off the bat. Like, Jesus comes walking along to these fishermen on the beach and says, you, come with me. He says, hey, Peter, we found the Messiah. Like, right off the bat, he had not seen Jesus perform any miracles. He had not seen Jesus do anything. But the authority there was something. Where there was this glimpse of, Maybe he even said something he didn't know to be true. It's kind of like when King David wrote so many of the Psalms and, and he had really no idea what he was saying or the prophets of old, they would say something that they really didn't understand fully. They couldn't grasp. Perhaps that's what Andrew said when he said to Peter, we found the Messiah. I don't know how it is, but this is him. Or Nathaniel made a similar proclamation. He said to Jesus, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You are him. And the disciples heard the proclamation of John the Baptist, who said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. When Jesus comes to the River Jordan. This is him, the Messiah, the one to take away sins. Several months earlier from this time, Jesus had walked them to the Sea of Galilee, and they responded in worship and acclamation and said, Certainly you are son, the Son of God. Peter declared, we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One earlier on. And it's, it's amazing that this was not the first time they've made this declaration, but it is important the declaration was made. You are the Christ. Not you are becoming, or you are showing signs of, or we hope, but you are the Christ. was the declaration of this glimpse of faith, a glimpse of trust in Peter's heart in this moment, he answers the most important question that every human must ask. Who do you say that Jesus is? Was he just a baby in a manger? Was he just this nice little story at Christmas? Is he just something, a great example to follow, a good moral teacher? Well, if for five seconds you consider his teaching, you know he's, if he's not actually the Messiah and if he's not truly God, he's the worst moral teacher because he deceived people and he lied. If he's truly not God, if he's truly not the Messiah, he was a liar. He was a deceiver. He was the worst of all worst. He would say, trust in me and you'll go to heaven. And if that was not true, he is the worst kind of man there was. Or he's a lunatic saying he's God, pretending he can do all these things. But these are not the things that Christ is. When they are posed with the question, who do you say that I am? They're not thinking just simply about the miracles they've seen with their eyes, but 
the character they've witnessed, the heart of Christ in all of these things, in, in caring for the lowly, in, in, in touching the untouchable, in drawing near to the, to the outcasts. This is more than just a, a mere external, ah, oh, he's a good holy man. He seems like he's got everything together. They had seen with eyes of faith, with hearts of belief, this glimpse of him as the Messiah, who he came to be. I love in John chapter 4 with the, the woman at the well, where she herself says, I know that the Messiah is coming. And Jesus responds to her, he says, I am he. I am he, I, I am that Messiah who is coming. Or in, in Martha, in John chapter 11, where he asks her, he says, uh, do you believe? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. He had just finished saying to her that he is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes won't perish, but to live forever. She responded with, I believe. I, I, I truly believe you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. How does one believe? If it's not simply just to be an eyewitness, because there were so many eyewitnesses, even of this, the most recent record in Mark here in chapter 8 was the healing of the blind man. And so many saw, but yet they did not come to believe that he was the Messiah. Well, in, in uh, Matthew's parallel version of this question, Jesus responds when Peter says, I believe you are the Christ. Uh, Peter, uh, Jesus' response to him was, blessed are you. Simon Barjona, or, or Simon, which was Peter's original name, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Your eyes has not revealed this to you. Somebody else did not convince you. Some, some intellect did not um, change your mind about who I am. He says, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. It is God the Father who opened your eyes to see. God the Father who opened your heart to believe that I am the Christ. The beauty is these men had anticipated Christ's coming. They had anticipated it their whole lives, growing up as little children, going to the temple, hearing about the coming Messiah, what he would be like, what he would do for you, how he would transform a people's heart. They anticipated, they longed for, they waited for the Messiah. The question is, do we? Like, is that a thing that still exists? Is people awaiting a Messiah? Other than in Jewish heritage? No. Nobody's waiting a Messiah. Everybody's just kind of doing life and trying to live this short life the best they can. Live your best life now. You know, don't die poor. Don't die sad. That's what people are just like living life for. They're not expecting or anticipating any sort of Messiah, any sort of transformation they're just expecting that hopefully, you know, the cosmos goes their way. Hopefully, things they can do help shape and form their world in such a way that everything feels good. That's what people are expecting. Like, when people are making New Year's resolutions about this year, none of it is about meeting a Messiah. None of it is about being free from my guilt and sin. None of it is about how do I get to heaven. The, the resolutions are how do I serve me better? How do I do life this year so I feel good? And sometimes that includes people being like, well, I want to give to charity. I want to serve people. Ultimately, so they can feel good. There is nothing wrong with serving other people so that we may feel the great reward of that. But 
If that's your life's goal, if that's what you expect out of a year, out of a life, is just looking for things to fulfill you, that's the world we live in, is empty hopes. I hope that I don't get sick this year. I hope that if I get sick, treatments work. I hope that the economy does not continue to spin out of control. I hope my bank account still likes me at the end of the year. All these empty hopes that people are expecting and, and going to try to live their life working toward, for the Jewish heritage people, for, for Peter, they were expecting the Messiah. That's what they longed for. That's what they looked forward to every single year, year after year. Will he come? Will he come to be with his people? Will he come to save his people? Will he come to make us right again? Those who don't yet know Christ never expect the Messiah to come. They don't even know that they should. What about us? Even us who, who do know uh, that, that Christ is who he said he was and that he's coming again. Do we expect that? Do we look forward to that? Do we anticipate it? Do we long for it? Is that something that is on your heart or are you just hoping to get through this year with a good bank balance? What kind of expectations do we even have of Christ? And that's the thing that I thought, you know, year after year, I, I try to reflect on goals that I, I missed, Bible reading plans and the gaps in there or times of prayer that I didn't do. And, and I try to reflect so that I can have a, a better relationship with God this year. So I set goals because I need them to keep me on track. But at the end of the day, I, I, you know, as reflecting on the last year, it's like, did I have any expectations of Christ? Or did I just have expectations of myself, right? I expect myself to read the Bible. I expect myself to pray the, this amount. What expecta expectations did I have of God? What did I expect him to do in this coming year? Peter and, and these disciples had expected the Messiah to come and to rule and to reign. They expected something of him. What do I expect of him? What did I expect? And then were my expectations met or let down? Because it kind of tells me if I have a proper portrait or proper expectations of Jesus. Here, the, the, this confession of you are the Christ, well, what does that mean if he truly is the Christ actively now? What can I expect from him this year in 2023? What can you expect of Christ? Do you have any expectations of him? Or do you just expect him to continue to be and that you trust in his promises to forgive you of your sin, and that's about it? Or do you expect him to actually be alive? To be living, to be active in your life, to be transforming you, to be making you holy? Because he's doing that. He is doing that through different means of grace, but he says, in, in Philippians chapter 1, it says, He who began the good work in you of, of showing you your sin, of showing you the Savior, of, of bringing you to a place of surrender, of saying, I can't carry my sin. I cannot carry on with religion or any other thing to bring me to God. That fails me. So he who began a good work in you, just tearing down those false truths, those lies, and, and building up and bringing to your, to your forefront the truth of Christ, that he is the Messiah. He's the one you need to surrender everything to, to, to surrender your sin to, your guilt to, your life to. He who began that good work in you, Philippians says, he will bring it to completion. He's, he's each year chiseling away at you, making you more like him, 
transforming us from one degree of glory to another. He is doing something, but do you expect that? Or do you just expect to get through the year and have done a checklist? Or do you expect Jesus to actually be real? Jesus to actually be in relationship with you? Do you have that expectation this year of what that might look like? What does a relationship with Christ truly look like? Does it just look like me going through the motions of what a Christian life is? Go to church, read the Bible, pray, serve. Or does it mean I met with Christ? I met with God. I was transformed by him. I I heard from him. Do you expect to hear from God this year? As, As you open up God's word, do you expect to hear from him? That he would speak to you? Not just speak to other people or not just give you a nice story, but do you expect God to speak to you? To, to show you truth. Because here, um, these disciples had an expectation of the Messiah, but they also had expectations of Jesus. Because at the very outset, they thought, this is the Messiah, is he? So then they started looking and expecting and asking and, and, and hoping they would see things and hoping for their relationship with him. Do we have the same? Do we have expectations of God this year? I'm not saying false expectations or bad expectations or wrong expectations. And that's what we have to be aware of, is what do we expect of him? Do we expect to just be that God responds to me this way, always in the affirmative? If I ask something that I want, he always gives it. Is that what I expect of God to do for me this year? What is it that I'm portraying to others I expect of God? Because then you see there others who don't expect anything of God, they're going to look at people who say they're Christians and say, does that person even expect God to be real? Do they even expect God to be personal? Do they even expect God to be alive? Or do they expect God to just be the vending machine that when they ask for something, it comes out the bottom? What kind of expectations are we letting other people see in our lives Do we actually expect him to be the Christ, the Messiah, to us and to other people? To to free us from the guilt of our sin this year? If you have that expectation, we ought to, 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Romans 8, 1. Do you expect that this year? That when you feel condemned, you may have the gospel at the forefront of your mind and says, I'm not condemned any longer. Do you expect to remember that? Do you expect God to remind you of that? To transform you in that? Do we know what we're looking for this year from God? Do others know what to expect from God this year because of how we live or the life that we are living? Let us then consider not just who others say that he is, but who do we say that he is right now? Is he just my savior who helped me out of a really bad place? And now I say he's my savior, but there's no real connection. There's no real relationship. There's no conversation. There's no communion, no dining with him. There's no intimacy and fellowship with him. I love John chapter 17, where Jesus prays for his disciples, including those who would be to come. And he's praying that, that we would be one so that we would be one with God and the Father and the Holy Spirit, that we would have fellowship and friendship with God. He prays that for us. Do we expect that with God? Do we expect to see anything from him this year other than the blessings that we hope to have? Do we expect to see him show up when we go through the darkest day of our life, maybe this year? 
Do we expect him just to do that? What do we expect of the Messiah? What should we expect of him? Well, he has given us things that we see so far in this book of Mark. So chapter 1 through 8 so far, we see Jesus as this Messiah who came to serve and to sacrifice for the sake of others. So we have come to see him as that and therefore expect that of him and we expect that of his followers to serve and to sacrifice for the sake of God's glory and for people seeing him. To serve and sacrifice. If he has served and taught and cared for and prayed for people, then his followers should serve and teach and care for and pray for people. So that anyone who doesn't yet know Christ doesn't have a true, full-rounded picture of who this Messiah is that they should expect something from. It's not just that they should expect to feel good or to have everything go well, but they should expect to be served, to be taught, to be cared for, and to be prayed for by God, by, by Jesus. It says that he is at the right hand of God interceding on behalf of his children. He is praying he is caring. He is teaching us through his word and through others. And he is serving us through the hands and the feet of others. And so then are we helping others to expect that? Are we playing our part in that? Or are we just trying to get through the next year? Just trying to survive. Just trying to scrape by. What do we expect of him to do in us and through us for the sake of others and for his glory? Jesus has set not only the example for us, but it has given us all that we need to serve him by serving others, to uh, glorify him through teaching him to others, by caring for others as he has cared for them, and by praying for others for their needs and their greatest need to see Christ and to be content in him. When others say, well, I can't believe what I can't see, then we must look to the ambassadors the ambassadors of Christ, those who are meant to represent Christ, you and me, if we have proclaimed faith in Jesus, we are the ones who are called, well, who do you say that he is? What if you're mute? Who does your life say that he is? Is he the Messiah? Is he the one that has freed you from guilt? He's freed you from sin, but he's not freed you to sin for a license of sin. I love in Romans, should we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. May it never be so. Instead, we strive after holiness because he is holy. And we want to display him to others. If we couldn't say another word, may our lives proclaim his truth. It's seen in us as ones who are freed from guilt, as ones who serve, as ones who care for. But we do have words. We do have communication. And so we get to go far beyond that. We get to serve others with our words and teach others and care for others and pray for others as Christ has done so far in this book and he has done for us. So if you are a believer in Christ, then you get to be his representative so that when people are posed with the question, who do you say that he is? They wouldn't just say he's a baby in a manger, he's part of a story, or he's the one that's going to fix all of my problems. But instead, he is the Christ, the Messiah, the one to save me for eternity, the one to transform my heart and my affections. No matter what else goes on, he's going to give me contentment and true joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore, Psalm 1611 said. In your presence is fullness of joy, his contentment, his satisfaction, because it is eternal and it is lasting. That's what we want to say that Christ is. 
That's what we want to expect Christ to be for us, is not the one who will meet our hopes and our wants, but instead the one who will satisfy our souls forever, that he would be Christ to us, that we might display him as Christ to all we might come in contact with this year and for the rest of our lives. Let's pray to that end. Oh God, you are an amazing God that has shown yourself to us. We have seen you, and not just as eyewitnesses to how you have worked in this world or in our own lives, but we have seen you with eyes of faith in our hearts that we truly believe Christ is who he said he was, that he is your son, that he is God who came in the flesh to do away with the punishment, do our sin. We thank you so much that he has come to be the savior for all who would trust in him, who would simply believe and say that they cannot do this without him. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the love that you have shown us, for the mercy extended towards us that we will never deserve. We cannot do enough to thank you. So would you help us to live lives in an expectation of a relationship with you this year and to be able to extend that relationship uh, through us to others, that they may also enter a relationship with you and therefore be eternally satisfied no matter what comes on the outside. Would you help us to pursue you with all we have? In Christ's name, amen.